Amen. I'm sure that many of you had and have memories as I do. I remember the little Red Hill Missionary Baptist Church that my dad went to when he was a boy. And when I, of course, our family moved back to southeast Kentucky and went to that church for a little while. Before my dad planted the church, that old country church had a church bell in it. And I would go early. We would walk down, oh, I guess it was a half a mile or so from the house there where my grandparents lived down to the little church. And I remember my grandpa would reach up and take the rope uh, off of the nail and uh, he would let me pull on it and I'd pull with everything in me and just uh, pull down on that bell and ring it and the sound would go out. I'm thankful for the history and heritage of America and those old church bells and the gospel that was preached and given. Many of you were saved as a result of that very thing. And I'm thankful for that memory. I'm thankful for the influence of every church. My wife grew up in a little country church that made a difference in her life and her family. Thank God for it. Thank God for every church tonight. Whether it's a big church or a country church, doesn't matter. Thank God for the Uh, gospel-preaching churches across America. Acts chapter 8 tonight. Acts chapter 8. I started to tell you to stand, and uh, you don't have to stand unless you want to, but uh, Acts chapter 8, you may be in your car and be a little tough to do, Uh, but in chapter 7, Stephen has been stoned to death, and uh, what a story it is in Acts chapter 7. We come to chapter 8 where the Bible said, And Saul, this is Saul of Tarshish, Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame and were healed. There was great joy in that city. I'm preaching tonight on this subject, the blessings and benefits of difficult change. The blessings and benefits of difficult change. Now, Heavenly Father, as I bow my head in prayer, I do not pray because I'm required to pray before I preach or because it is a habit. But, Lord, I hunger for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. We've spent much time together this week, and I thank you for the sweetness of our fellowship. I thank you for the precious Word of God and how real and wonderful, how strong and how alive it has been. And I pray, Lord, that if in this preaching hour, Lord, you could give me your presence and power and use me in your will, it would be a wonderful thing to accomplish that tonight. And so I yield myself to you and ask that you would bless. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
This morning I preached with the same title as it applied to the prophet Isaiah. As a result of difficult change, Isaiah saw the Lord. Isaiah sensed who he was. And Isaiah surrendered to the will and work of God. The premise of that message was that through difficult change, there are always blessings and benefits that can result if we keep pressing on. I want to say it again tonight. During times of difficult change, there are always blessings and benefits that can result if we keep pressing on. You see, from the time that Satan entered the Garden of Eden with the express intent to bring death and ruin to the world, up through this very day, Satan has been working to bring havoc in the lives of Christians and in the work of the local church. The devil will do so until the day that Christ returns and later casts Satan into the eternal pit to face eternal punishment. As I walk through the pages and activities of the Bible, it is the blessings, the miracles, and the goodness of God that attracts my attention and makes me want to be a part of God's mighty army. However, you cannot read the Word of God. You certainly cannot study the Word of God and these activities without noticing there was constant difficult changes, difficult attacks that took place day after day page after page in the Word of God. If you continue through these various changes and satanic attacks, you will find, find those that pressed on found some mighty good blessings and benefits that came as a result of those difficulties. I want to mention just a few of those changes and attacks as I lay the groundwork for the message. But if you'll study the Bible, you'll find that there was difficulty, there was challenges, there were changes that were constantly taking place in the stories of the Word of God. Our text passage tonight tells of a persecution that caused the church at Jerusalem to be scattered. This was an attack of the devil to stamp out the light of the gospel of Christ, to stop the spread of the fact that Jesus had died and risen again for the soul uh, saving of uh, the souls of mankind. They wanted it stopped, and so they began to persecute the church. No doubt there were some that were discouraged and some gave up and some quit, but the Bible tells us they were scattered everywhere because of the persecution and the Bible said they continued to preach the gospel everywhere they went. That preaching was a result of that persecution and that scattering. It was a significant change when the Holy Spirit called Paul to leave the church at Antioch and others with him. And he said, uh, I want to I call you into a specific work of the gospel as a missionary. Can you imagine how that church must have felt to lose some of its very best workers? As the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and, and, and Paul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Can you imagine how they scrambled, how they worked to replace those men 
that no doubt was a time of difficult change. I think of the storms that the disciples faced in their short three and a half years of ministry. There were the literal storms that they faced on the boats, but then there was the storms that came from the attacks of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others that tried to constantly trick and trip the Lord Jesus. They went through constant change and difficulty. Think of the difficulty as the disciples came to the end of that period of ministry that they worked with the Lord Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, the Bible says that he ascended to heaven. And they were told before he ascended to stay there in Jerusalem and tarry until the coming of the promise. <clears throat> that was not a friendly place for the disciples. It was not a safe place for the disciples. Imagine the transition the next day. There was no Jesus with them to tell them of the plan and the work of the day. But their work would be determined in their own mind and heart by the will of God. That no doubt would be <clears throat> a difficult change. Think of the changes that took place in churches. I think of the seven churches of Asia Minor that once stood without compromise to proclaim the mighty gospel of Christ. There were times that they began to change and seven churches they changed for different reasons and warnings came from God <clears throat> for them to examine themselves the days of apostasy finally came and those churches are no longer in existence today because of the changes of time and the changes of circumstances. I think of the problems that were caused by the various people in the churches in the Bible. Those that caused division, those that sowed discord in the church, those that brought in damnable heresies such as the church at Corinth, the church at Galatia, the church at Ephesus. I grew up in church. You've heard me say I started going to church nine months before I was born, and that's true. I was saved as a five-year-old boy. Uh, my dad surrendered his life back to the Lord after being saved and then a time away from God. And in 1972, my dad planted a church in our hometown in southeast Kentucky in Hazard. It started in the month of July 1972. And so for the past 48 years, I've been involved in full-time service for the Lord as far as church work is concerned. I've seen many changes in that period of time. I've seen many challenges in that period of time. Now remember, I'm preaching tonight on the blessings and benefits of difficult change. And it is those who press on in difficult times and changes that find, that discover, that experience the blessings and the benefits of God. Let me just go ahead and say right now, I'm not going to quit in a day of difficulty. I'm not going to turn back in a day of challenge. I want to press on. And as we face this difficulty today where our churches are empty and uh, we long to be together in church and we long to get back to the work of winning people to Christ and running buses and, and, and the work that we do, we long for that. We're going through a time of difficulty. The devil no doubt will tempt some to say, I, I think I like it like this. I don't think I want to go back to the work. I don't think I want to go back to the difficulty of the work of the bus ministry and all of that. I want to tell you something. As you go through challenges and changes, those that stay with it are those that find and experience the blessings and the benefits of the difficult change. 
As I go back to 1972, I remember our church, the heat in the church was coal stoves in every building. I remember on cold Sunday mornings when my dad would call attention to come to Sunday school and everybody would be gathered in the back around the coal stove and my dad would say, come on in now, let's get started. It's time for Sunday school. It's hard to get them away from that cold stove. I told dad, I said, you need to put that stove on the platform that'll keep everybody up front, uh, keep everybody warm. But I remember, and that's a big change from uh, those days uh, to today. I remember a, a period of time going through a time of difficulty and living in the basement of the church. I remember times being criticized, falsely accused, and shot at. I remember deaths that changed the landscape of our church. I remember when my father got cancer in 1983 and died in 1985, how it changed the direction and the desires of my life. My wife and I came to Lexington 29 years ago this week. What a change it was in our life. Now, if you'll think about this, we're in a constant state of change. If you're not careful, you'll let the devil keep you depressed or disappointed because of changes that are always taking place. You and I are getting older. I was thinking today since 1990, uh, all of the things that have taken place in our nation I think of the Gulf War. I think of the uh, terrorist attacks that took place on 9-11, uh, 2001. I think of all the cultural changes. I think of all of the uh, back and forth wars and battles of abortion. And I pray that we're uh, starting to win that battle and, and uh, having less and less uh, murder of the unborn. And by the way, uh, there has to be less and less uh, uh, fornication and adultery. And we need to get back to living clean lives. Uh, and that's what will uh, bring revival in our nation. But, but this idea of, of aborting unwanted children, the same-sex marriage, the pandemic we face, uh, the ebb and flow of the liberalism, the compromise that we've seen, uh, liberal leadership, a space of grace, all of these things, things are in a constant state of change. Life is not going to stay the same. But can I tell you something? Jesus is the same. The Bible is the same. And those that press on through those challenges and those that press on through those changes, they experience the blessings and benefits of those times. I want to give you five of those blessings tonight. I trust and I desire that these will be a blessing to you. The first blessing that I have written down that comes from challenges and changes, first of all, is Scripture, the Word of God. Aren't you glad that truth is revealed in trial? I don't know about you, but these last few weeks have been very precious times in the Word of God. In verses that I've read and known, in verses uh, that I've memorized, uh, they're different in the times of trials. You know, I think uh, of the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians was actually written uh, to the church at Galatia because uh, there were those that were trying to change the gospel. They were adding to the gospel, and they were challenging the gospel and Paul came in and he said, hey, there's only one gospel. We don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away from it. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And our faith in that is what gives us salvation. You don't add Judaism to it. You don't add works to it. You don't add baptism to it. You don't add anything to it. It's just salvation but grace through faith. And Paul gave them that book of Galatians, all the strength that we find from that wonderful book to 
know that our salvation is given to whosoever will. It's not of ourselves, but it's of the grace of God. And I'm thankful that the Scripture came as a blessing, as a benefit of that difficult challenge. I think of the letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, a church that was carnal, a church that didn't want to recognize that the Holy Spirit of God lived inside them and they had been bought with a price. They didn't belong to themselves. This old lie, it's your body, you can do what you want with it. That's not the truth. God created us and second of all, He bought us. We belong to Him. And Paul dealt with those things in those letters of First and Second Corinthians. Paul dealt with uh, separation from the world and that Christians uh, are to be different than the world. He, he dealt with sanctification from the world and he dealt with service for God. And those letters are given as a result of a challenge to godly living and living and holy living. There always has been and there always will be people that will challenge right behavior and holy behavior and, and being different from the world in our dress, in our music, in our vocabulary. What do we do? We go back to the Word of God. The Scripture has been a blessing. The Scripture has been a benefit of those challenges. I think of the book of Philippians. Paul was in prison. Paul would die in prison. And Paul writes a letter. What would Paul write about as he would write from prison to the Christians that were free? Would he write about the grace of God? No, not in this letter he wouldn't. Would he write about the comfort of God? No, not in this letter. Paul would write about joy in the Lord. You say, well, how in the world could Paul write about joy while being in jail? Paul teaches us in the book of Philippians as a response to the challenge of his preaching and the challenge of his life. He said joy is not based on circumstance. Joy is based on my relationship with God. And no matter where I am, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. Therefore, he wrote, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. You see, Scripture is a result of difficulty and a result of challenge. John, the revelator. John was put on the Isle of Patmos. He was exiled there. You could say John was quarantined to the island of Patmos. And while he was there, the Bible said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard a voice behind me as of a trumpet and God gave to John the book of the revelation that has guided us and taught us about things that are to come, the things that are happening in our world today. We see them talked about in the book of Revelation. Some things we understand because they're happening or they've happened. Other things we don't fully understand, but we have an idea. We know because of John, uh, the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to leave this world. We're going to be raptured out of this world. We're going to be in heaven and then... Uh, the tribulation period is going to begin on this earth. And I'll not go through that book of Revelation. I'm simply preaching Scripture is a result of, of, of challenge and change and difficulty during this time. And whether your challenge is financial, whether your challenge is family, whether your challenge is failure, it doesn't matter what it is. The Scripture is what we need. The Word of God is what we need. Thank God for the precious Word of God that is good to us in the time of challenge. Let me give you the second thing that's a blessing and benefit of difficult change and challenge, and that is songs. Songs. I love good singing. 
I love good music. And you know the best music in all the world? It's the songs that are written from sorrow. The songs that are written from heartache. The songs that are written because what you find out in the valley, God doesn't leave you. It's in the valley that it restores our soul. It was in the valley that David sat down and began to write, God is my refuge and a very present help in the time of trouble. And psalm after psalm, song after song he penned in days of danger, in days of difficulty. Oh, I say to you, child of God, we're not singing about being drunk and committing immorality. We're not singing about the wickedness of the world. The child of God can sing even as tears flow down their face because of sorrow. We can still sing and we can still rejoice. Songs are a blessing and a benefit in a time of difficulty. The hymn that we have in our book called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. What a Friend We Have in Jesus is a song that was never intended to be a song. Fame revival song leader Ira Sankey wrote about the song What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And he told how the song was written around 1855 to comfort a mother in a time of special sorrow. And he simply wrote a poem, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy Do thy friends despite forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. That was a poem written for a a hurting mother. And that has become a song, a hymn that we've sung so many times. And all the comfort. You know where that comfort came from? It came from a time of challenge. It came from a time of change. It came from a time of difficulty. I read the story, the story of an attorney by the name of Horatio Spafford. He and his wife Anna had a family of four daughters. Tragically, the great Chicago fire destroyed most of his business in 1871. Two years later, his wife and four daughters were on board an ocean liner traveling across the sea to another continent. It was struck by another vessel, and all four of his daughters drowned. His wife survived. It was nine days later before she was able to contact her husband. She sent a a telegraph that read, Saved alone, what shall I do? Spafford took the next available ship to join his wife. During the passage, the captain of the ship notified Spafford 
that they were crossing the place where the vessel had been struck, where it had sunk, where his daughters had drowned. After those moments of reflection and over the course of the rest of the journey, Spafford wrote these words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it's well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear that no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. How I love to hear the church sing it. How I love to hear the volume and them to raise their voices loud. Where did the song, It Is Well, come from? It came from a broken heart that turned his face to God. And he realized that no matter what happens in this life, as a saved man, it's still well with his soul. The blessings and benefits of difficult change. First of all, the scripture. Second of all, song. Let me give you the third thing. That is a blessing in the time of difficulty. That is surrender. That is surrender. I wish I had time here to dwell a long time. But let me, let me give you uh, this thought of surrender. When the church at Jerusalem was scattered because of persecution, the Bible said they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Philip went down to Samaria. Now think of this. The Bible says, and there was great joy in that city. Where did that joy come from? It came from a surrendered preacher, Philip. Where did the surrendered preacher Philip come from? He came from a persecuted church. Can I tell you something? The devil has never won where God's people keep pressing on. And he never will win when people of God just press on in the will of God and let difficult change and challenges and whatever may come cause us to say, I will be surrendered to the will of God no matter what comes. There were those that worked to hurt the Apostle Paul and his work of preaching the gospel. Paul ignored them and Paul stayed surrendered to God rather than being sidetracked. And you know, as we look back over that story of how they came, and Paul said there's some that preach Christ for contention's sake. They, 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 they want to cause problems and, and, and they're playing church and I understand that. But these years later, we look back and say, what were the names of those people? I don't know. Ah, oh, but the name of Paul, who stayed focused, who stayed on point, who wasn't sidetracked, who didn't get angry, but he just kept preaching the gospel. We know of Paul's life from the time of his conversion until he wrote in those final moments of his life, the time of my departure is at hand. There's a crown of righteousness, he said, laid up for me. Oh, can I tell you, dear friend, you see, times of difficulty are times of surrender. I've had folks, several folks, 
write to me, text me, email me and tell me, Preacher, I've gotten close to God during these times. And I've realized a lot of things that I was chasing after and staying busy doing. They didn't have a lot of value. Preacher, when we get back to church, I'm going to be faithful in church. I'm going to be faithful in serving God. You see, that's a blessing of the difficulty that we faced. That, that's a benefit of the difficulty that we faced. Uh, by the way, what a blessing it's been to spend time, more time, good time with family. It's been a good time. It's been a good time to pray. I've enjoyed, my heart's been blessed by men that have come to the church early. We poured our hearts out to God. This morning, Brother Johnson, as he began to pray for the bus kids, and he began to weep, he said, Oh God, somebody's got to love the young people of our town, and we've got to get the gospel to them. Lord, help us. You see, these times have been times of blessings and benefits. If you press on, don't quit in the tough time. Don't quit in the difficult time. Keep pressing on. I'll give you the fourth thing. The fourth blessing and benefit of a difficult time is supplication. Supplication or prayer. I call your attention to Acts chapter 12 where the Bible says in verse number 4, And when they had apprehended him, they're talking about Peter, he put him in prison and delivered to him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. I love but these next two words, but prayer. But prayer. Oh, the Bible says Peter in prison, but was in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God uh, uh, for him. I don't know how long they prayed. I don't know if it was days. I don't know if it was hours. But the difficulty, you know what it did? It said, church, we need to get together and pray. We need to pray. We need to ask God to protect Peter. We need to ask God to deliver Peter. That prayer meeting would have never happened without the difficulty. It would have never taken place without the challenge that they face. By the way, the prayer was answered. A miracle took place. There's a lot of humor in that story. You know, uh, Peter, uh, he was chained up to those prison guards. And when the angels took the chains off of Peter... It's interesting to me that the angel had to wake Peter up. Say, hey, Peter, you're free. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Wake up, Peter. I find that interesting to me. I, I'd have probably been nervous and awake for three days waiting for somebody to get my lawyer and somebody to come and help me. Old Peter, he's sound asleep. Then he goes to the house of Rhoda. He goes where the, where the church is praying and, and he, he hits on the door and the lady comes to the door and she says, I've seen a ghost out there. He looked like Peter. Ah, oh, the humor. I can I tell you something? I'm thankful for this good book right here. But supplication was a result of their difficulty. When Jesus ascended back to heaven as recorded in Acts chapter 1, the disciples and those 120, the Bible says about 120, they went to the upper room and you know what they did? They prayed. They prayed until the promise came. Have you prayed more during this difficult time in the last few weeks? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. How many times has you, have you said, Lord, what's going on? Is this the end of time? Lord, is this the beginning of the end? And churches are closed and well, things seem to be eerie, especially in those cold, rainy days a few weeks ago. And Lord, there's nobody on the highway and 
New York City is empty. You see pictures and, and all of that. You begin to pray and ask the Lord. You begin to examine your life. That's a good thing. That's a benefit of the difficulty we've gone through. Can I tell you something? Those that will press on, they'll take even the tough times and find the blessing and find the benefits. And last of all, I want to say quickly, difficulty, challenge, brings about a steadfastness. After you go through a few difficulties, you get a little tougher. You realize the devil can only bark, but he's on a chain that's limited, and God has a hold of the chain. God's in control. You know, I made it through the last storm. I think I'll just have faith for the next storm. You make it through the next storm, you say, boy, I think I'll have faith for the next storm. I think of the disciples. You know, in the beginning, those disciples, they would ask the most foolish questions. I mean, they would ask Jesus, who you think the best disciple is? Uh, they, they would uh, talk about uh, forgetting their lunch, and they would talk about forgetting things, and, and uh, they would have, uh, uh, enjoy a miracle, see a miracle, and they would talk about something else, and they were constantly in trouble. When Jesus was crucified, Peter said, I quit, and he went back to fishing. Jesus arose from the dead and he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. He brought that crowd back together. They'd been through their three and a half years of college training and between the time of his resurrection and his ascension, it was a time for the master's class. It was time for the graduate class to take place. And those disciples, as they looked back and they saw that Jesus had brought them through the storms, he'd multiplied the food and he'd met their needs. He'd protected them in times of danger. And sure enough, not only did he die, but he rose from the grave. Those disciples in those last few days before Christ ascended, they developed a steadfastness and they came to the place that they wouldn't turn back, they wouldn't quit. Most all of them died a martyr's death, steadfast. You know what we need to learn during this difficult time? I'm not going to quit. I was singing a song from the hymn book. In fact, I thought I'd like to sing it in church, but you don't have the words, and we don't have it. Uh, we, 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 we don't know it by memory, and it's a, uh, a song that comes from one of the psalms that David wrote. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And you know, that, come, that comes from a time David's gone through a lot of challenges, and he's learned to say, I'm not going to quit anymore. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to turn back anymore. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm glad that I had the privilege to watch a mom and dad go through some tough times. In those tough times, there were some times of tears. Tough times, there were some times of pain. But they never quit. They developed a steadfastness. And I recall as a young preacher saying, one thing I never want to be is a quitter. I don't ever want to turn back if others, if my mom and dad can be faithful to serve and others I've watched through the years, they can be faithful through the tough times. I can be faithful too. I want to send just a moment to sing the chorus, I shall not be moved. Difficult times have brought about Scripture. Difficult times bring songs. Difficult times bring surrender. Difficult times bring supplication. Difficult times bring steadfastness. I want her to play the chorus, I've decided to follow Jesus. I want to ask the few that are here in the auditorium, let's respond to the preaching 
of the Word of God tonight. Those that are here for singing security, God's put, spoken to our hearts. Let's decide tonight. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. Right there where you are, you ought to say, God, I'm not going to quit. Lord, it's a time of difficulty. Give me a song. Get you a songbook and sing through the sorrow. God, it's a time of difficulty. Get in the book and he'll give you a scripture that'll carry you through the valley. Develop a steadfastness. Give yourself and surrender. God will bless you and give you things in the heartache and the heartbreak and the sorrow, the challenges and the changes of life. He'll give you things that you'll not find anyplace else. Let's decide together that we're going to keep serving the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together in church tonight. I thank you for the precious Word of God. And Lord, though it is not easy, I thank you, Lord, that even in the valley, you are good. In the valley, you restore our soul. In the valley, we find the Scripture. In the valley, we find the song. In the valley, we find the surrender. In the valley, we find the supplication. In the valley, we find the steadfastness to carry on. Bless our church tonight. Help them and bless them to walk in your will and walk in your ways this week in a way that's pleasing to you. God, I pray that you would direct and guide and would soon be back to this place, worshiping you together as a church family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for watching the service tonight. I pray that your week is a blessed week.